Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast, where you'll find, as usual, myself, Chris Bound, the editor of Hotel Analyst, uh, hooked up with Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, and we're going to spend the next 20 minutes or so um, musing on matters of the moment uh, from in and around the hotel and accommodation investment space. Uh, we're starting by having a quick look forward. We've been raking over the uh, reviews and outlook documents from the various uh, agents uh, who are busy in the hotel sector and uh, running the rule around their different predictions and expectations for the coming year. Most of them were expecting things to start warming up in terms of the investment uh, activity and of course we've already seen Starwood splash £800 million pounds, uh, buying uh, the portfolio of, of hotel London hotels from Edwardian. Um, so that's quite a, uh, a useful pointer that uh, things are certainly going to get busier and there's possibly more private equity action coming too. I had a quick chat also with the uh, the, the folk at Christie & Co and they told me that it was as if, you know, January the 2nd they were getting lots of phone calls from people first day back in the office. Right, you know that thing we were, th we were sitting on and pondering over, let's crack on with it. Um, and then uh, Jeremy Jones said that he, he almost felt that uh, quite a number of the lenders had decided that uh, December the 31st was the uh, the date after which they were no longer going to put up with uh, lame duck businesses and uh, we're going to start getting a bit tougher. So um, on the one hand, uh, there's going to be more distress and therefore more product available. On the other hand, uh, some of the agents are predicting that um, the big buying opportunity uh, is now and perhaps just in the next few months before interest rates start coming down again. So uh, but I think the, the summary is we're in for a, a more exciting first half of 2024 than we had the back half of 2023. I think that's absolutely right. Um, but it's also the case that it's going to be quite a turbulent period as well with uh, sentiment swinging to and fro uh, in interestingly on on Wednesday um, um, of this week um, the, we had the numbers out of the bank uh, um, um, from the Office for National Statistics about inflation and this really unsettled the market um, and they came in at four percent rather than three point eight percent and they you know the, why is it so much higher you know point two percent um, there was a clear explanation for this actually in why it was slightly higher which was the um, significant jump in taxation on tobacco that was the single biggest contributor to the rise in inflation so <laughs> but this was enough to send <laughs> give give the markets the attack of the vapors so it was you know and i think we're going to get more and more of that um as we get into this year with sentiment up sentiment down sentiment up sentiment down um so it really is a sort of buckle up for the rye kind of period we've got ahead for us but i do think it's right that we're going to see a significant um increase in deal flow not a huge flood of stuff but we will see stuff um tipping up a little capital economics are my go-to uh, consultancy when it comes to all matters relating to um, interest rates and inflation etc and um, their view is against consensus in that they think we're going to see uh, faster cuts um, deeper cuts um, and 
we're going to hit um, sort of down to about 3% in base rate um, quite soon, um, maybe within as, as little as a year. They're expecting their first cut, uh, the first cut to occur in uh, June. Um, they had sort of six months or so ago, they had been forecasting the first cut would be in November. So they've become markedly more dovish in terms of their outlook on interest rates and I think this is generally being reflected in the pricing of debt at the moment certainly anybody in um, the market for a residential mortgage is in for a more pleasant surprise um, at the moment than they were a year ago and you're, you're looking at uh, sub four uh, percent uh, rates in the residential mortgage market so i mean it's very encouraging and if that translates and it, it is translating into the the money available for commercial deals um, that's very good news indeed that's increasing affordability um, um the 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 on the flip side of that, you've got um, trading, which is coming down a little bit now. Um, and particularly if we if you look at uh, gross operating profit, that's the issue which is uh, um, impacting. Not so much that that sales, that top line. Um, I attended the Whitebridge, it was their 19th New Year Hotel Investment Summit hosted at Mayor Brown and uh, Mike Grove from Hot Stats gave a presentation that highlighted these um, GOP challenges. Um, in fact, uh, for the year to the end of November, um, the US was down 1% on GOP. If you look back to what the number was in 2019, um, APAC, um, which is Asia Pacific, um, was down 3%. Um, Europe was uh, up just 1%. So it's not been an these are not inflation-adjusted uh, numbers, so factor in inflation, and you see actually effectively quite a cut in terms of uh, GOP there over the the past uh, five years, four years. Um, so that, that that's a worry, I think, um, in terms of the, that piece. But what it does mean, I think, that that's going to see seller expectations reined in a little bit, um, and we'll get a bit more of a balance between you know buyer's affordability and seller expectations. So I think that's going to be um, a, a driver for for deal flow there. And again, if you look at um, the, the some of the Whitebridge. Uh, um, numbers coming out. Phil Campbell um, talk, showed that uh, 2023 was the worst year for transactions in Europe since 2012, with the exception of uh, 2020. I think we mentioned this last week on the on the podcast as well. Um, expectations are for 2024 to be significantly better. Um, I think we are also in a particularly good moment as far as hotels are concerned with regard to other real estate asset classes uh, green street who are um, again one of our go-to numbers providers um, they spoke at our operational real estate festival back in september um, green street's pan-european commercial property price index um, um, that moved into positive territory for the first time um, in December went up one percent so this is this is an index which had been showing decline every month in 2023 and just changed course in December and I think this bottoming of values is critical to this you've got a, a topping out of in terms of debt costs and coming down slightly um, and you've got a bottoming out in terms of uh, um, 
the, the valuation piece so don't expect there to be bargains so this distress conversation and I agree with what um, you know, Jeremy Jones was saying that uh, I, I do think lenders will be saying look we need to see this transacting but I think this is not going to manifest in terms of receiverships and things like that in some cases where you've got a particularly truck truculent lender I guess it it may get to that but I think banks in the first instance will be sort of leaning and say look we're not going to be refinancing this piece either put your money in or get it traded and there are some borrowers who are going to be forced to trade and we will see more and more of that coming um, I think as this this year um, grinds on but from a you know where is the new money going to be going I think it's going to be going particularly to hotels and uh, you know a key thing I would um, put forward is you know this this transition of um, hotels from being something exotic and high risk to being you know one of the most stable asset classes out there and looking at again at this green street um, price index um, it's based on the 2007 peak um, the overall now we're just talking about the US market here because they've only got data across uh, lots of sectors for the US rather than the uh, um, the European one but looking at the US market going back to that 2007 peak we're now in terms of real estate um, at 98 whereas that 2007 peak was the 100 um, it went all the way up to 130 in 2022 um, and now has come back down the equivalent of about a 25 percent price cut since that peak in 2022 now it's a bit of a weird market it was fairly thin market at the time um, well, we're certainly seeing office off the most down 37 percent uh retail ironically um looking pretty okay um but that's mainly because um um, um it had already declined quite a bit uh in the run-up to to that uh, 22 peak um but what you see in the u.s data is lodging down just seven percent um the hotels market um it it was the of all the different sectors um it is showing the least decline since that 2022 peak now um rather like retail it hadn't gone up that much nothing like retail in terms of the depth of the problems but it hadn't surged it's much more steady and in fact if you look at the 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 chart that uh, green street show for the u.s market um, there's only really healthcare which has a similarly stable um, and not sort of up and down kind of movement um, so I, I think that's another feather in you know hospitality's cap that we've been able to ride you know at the end of the day we've been through a one heck of a challenging period we've we've had the worst possible downturn um, where you know businesses are actually closed five times worse in terms of profitability etc um, than the global financial crisis we've come out of that crisis like a rocket ship done remarkably well um, and we and we are now looking like a very stable place for money so I think as we come into this and the, the other advantage um, hospitality has as with other operational real estate asset classes uh, we throw off lots of cash um, and that really aligns um, 
um, you know, for what institutional funds like insurance and pension companies are looking for. Um, it, it, it's making hotels look a very attractive asset class right now. So um, don't expect bargains given the weight of money we've got to deploy out there and the attractiveness of our sector but i certainly do think we're going to start seeing a few more deals now another subset of uh, of the uh, travel business which is, has bounced back exceedingly well is the uh, tour operators and uh, package providers and we've been taking a look at how um tui in particular is now looking to um, deploy a limited amount of cash but um is, is certainly keen to get uh, hold tighter grip on uh, on its hotel inventory as it builds back up its um its package tour business it's not alone in um in doing this and um it's certainly a, a kind of an area where it seems that TUI is, is intent that it no longer wants to just buy packages of rooms from third parties and then um, resell along with its flights and uh, one or two other little excursions. Um, but they're much more interested in working alongside partners and and pushing hard on their own their own um, portfolio of brands so they can have greater control over uh, end-to-end um, the package they deliver to customers um, and they're not alone in fact there's another uh, German tour group um, DER Touristic who is um, also looking at buying into uh, hotel well controlling certainly controlling hotels more more closely they just bought themselves a hotel operating company which has got a portfolio of properties across uh, across Germany Austria and into Italy um, uh, so they, they want to hold on tighter so they've got more control over quality and level of service delivered but interestingly um, in DER's case they also have have an eye to the future because they think that uh, their their customers are going to be traveling more and more on holiday not by not by plane but by train and car so they they want to have uh, some more inventory that's uh, you know a, a short a short uh, car ride or train ride away from home so an interesting little, little kind of twist on the sustainability angle there as well um, but yeah it's it's all about getting close to control and delivering a more consistent product yeah and, and that closer control um what they're trying to do is deliver experiences it's about the experience economy and tui um are doubling down on experiences um it calls them the new lifestyle and global trend it will it calls the the push into experiences the new global um the new lifestyle and global trend in travel um and by a further vertical integration controlling it the whole consumer experience uh, soup to nuts as the americans would call it which is uh, starting with your soup course and ending with which i never understood that phrase but starting with your soup course and ending with the fruit and nuts no, at the end apparently that's the that's where that comes from but but it's, it is this idea that and and tui is in a great position it's selling the holiday um it's flying people out on the holiday and then it's owning the hotel while they're on holiday and it's increasingly getting into um, um, uh, tours and experiences uh, while people are on holiday um, so th that that whole vertical integration piece is critical now it, it's sometimes direct ownership through the hotels um, if you look at their uh, 
their portfolio um, 38 percent of their uh, 360 hotels are owned eight percent leased which in effect of ownership i guess um, and 53 percent under uh, um, management contracts so it's almost 50 50 between the split between direct ownership and management contracts there um, but certainly even where it is management um, you know what they're looking to do is have much more control and influence on that guest experience piece um, so that's the critical thing they're they're looking for now the main way they're trying to sort of segment their customer base um, is through having different brands for different, you know, at different properties. So they've got Tui Blue for families, Sensatory for indulgent experiences, Magic Life, which is the all inclusive piece. Um, and, I, you know, I get that and I think it makes a lot of sense to do that on a property basis. But I also think they need to segment their customer base. Um, um, within a resort more effectively too so you know sell appropriately within a particular resort doing different things so if you go to a resort you know some people are going to want to sit on the sunbed for their week or two weeks other people are going to want to go and do stuff out there uh, you know almost every day with you know different trips and see where they're going experience the uh, you know the local environment some people might want a mix of that and I think they've got to offer that a bit more effectively than they currently are they're working on this and particularly working hard in terms of the digital piece and I think this is where that's really going to uh, um, impact is is those people who can actually deliver this digitally in the most effective way because I think it's the only uh, realistically the cost-effective way of doing it sure you can do it at the high end um, uh, non-digitally but I don't think in terms of the mass market piece which is obviously where very much where Tui sits you're going to be able to do that other than digitally and of course um, you know as we're in the new year and we're still hyping away with artificial intelligence <laughs> um, I do think this is um, what's going to impact here and, and it is worth pointing out that um, AI I think the the pace of change with AI is going to be very dramatic indeed and, um, just to indulge a bit more in that hype um, just refer back to that uh, 2019 Stanford University study which reckons that AI is going to double in power every three months and if we look back to the previous big technological leap which was driven by silicon chips um, their power doubled every 18 months so we're clearly seeing a, a, a much faster um, um, change ahead um, it really is a if we were buckling up in the previous story it's hanging onto your hats in this one i think <laughs> there was a lot to think about in the sustainability and esg space um and plenty to think about plenty to talk about and plenty to act on um but uh, what what's interesting uh, as a as kind of feature of the market coming through right now is how um sustainability is no longer just sort of something that uh, people who own buildings have to worry about um it's something that um investors and funders are now getting their heads around and and are asking um, more about and are taking more interest in and we're seeing uh, more and more uh, businesses uh, getting some form of green financing which 
um, at its best can actually give you a bit of a discount so long as you bind yourself to hitting certain uh, environmental targets and, and progress. Um, so uh, December, which uh, really uncovered the development of what, what seems to be a virtuous circle. Lenders want to, want to meet their own ESG targets and they are looking for projects that they can lend against which kind of uh, fit fit their own needs. So um, if you're you know if you're looking to uh, do an environmental upgrade of your hotel, you're looking to build a new hotel and it's going to meet exceedingly high environmental and energy standards. Then uh, it seems that suddenly you're going to get a much better hearing if you turn up and look for some funding. Um, so interesting how the effectively the the supply chain um, on the development side is now kind of stitching together. And, uh, and and all moving in in lockstep one with another um, in the in the same direction and um, you know the, the, within the hotel sector Pandox has recently uh, ag agreed a couple of bank loans which are linked to sustainability targets over in Thailand Mine has been doing the same um, and more and more of this stuff is coming through so um, uh, what's not to love Mm. It's something of a headache, though, uh, the whole ESG piece in, in, in trying to think of, you know, what's going on, um, especially uh, politically, because um, there's meaningful political pushback now um, from in some of these areas and some of the initiatives that have, have gone on. We've seen it, you know, clearly here in the UK with uh, um, the current government uh, um, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak uh, making a you know a big part of his um, uh, sort of political pitch um, that he's he's rowing back on some of these um, um, green initiatives, um, and it's a struggle to how to know how to think about this. Where are we heading? Are we are we seeing things you know coming to an abrupt halt, or are we seeing this? We are still sort of heading in a sort of green direction. Um, the metaphor I reach for is Greta Thunberg. I mean, if you think back to when she was still a child, um, green ideas were rarely opposed. You know, just as you wouldn't shatter the dreams of children, um, you wouldn't oppose um, Greta Thunberg. But uh, you know, and you look back in 2010 the, the conservative party back then it ran on the slogan vote blue go green i really don't think rishi sunak's conservative party is going <laughs> to be using that um for its um election slogan and it's likely election it's going to have this year um it, you know ESG is an increasingly divisive political issue we see that on um the the European continent and we're going to see that spectacularly I would suggest in terms of the presidential election that's going to be taking place in the US um, in November t this year um, and what has happened you know Thun Thunberg has now become you know, an adult and she is much more accountable whereas you couldn't criticize her when she was still a child or at least you got a lot of flack if you ever did now she's an adult you can say well you know okay Greta what does this actually mean um you know you've got to you know what are the benefits versus the costs um you know and simply coming into an argument saying nothing costs more than the planet you know that might work you know when you're a child but it is not an adult argument so what you've got to start talking about are real world costs um you know having you know real world meaning and uh, you know there are issues here um 
I looked at MSCI, which is a global index provider, um, and they, they point to both physical and transition risks from climate change. On the physical side, um, they point particularly to stuff like coastal flooding and tropical storms. Um, of course, these these are risks which are not evenly spread across different assets. And but but what you can see are significant increases in these costs. So MSCI point to insurance costs. So historically, they've represented something like one percent of income receivable in terms of a real estate asset. Um, now this is already on average above 2% reckons MSCI. In vulnerable geographies like Florida these costs, insurance costs, are now approaching something like 5% of the income that a particular real estate asset is generating. This is you know, some meaningful levels of increase in those costs and in terms of the transition risk well this is all about what's happening in that political regulatory environment um, that we're, we're that we were just talking about. But I think there's big challenges here, um, and the Energy Environment Alliance um, highlighted that for our sector specifically. They spoke spoke to over two hundred and. Um, 50 hospitality leaders worldwide um, as part of a um, King's College, part of London University, um, the business school there and um, that this combined study said that uh, in particular the proliferation of different reporting standards, other stakeholders scepticism and the lack of engagement with ESG and then concerns over the reaction of guests and a lack of skills and knowledge these are all issues around this whole ESG piece um, so we've got very fractious politics around ESG um, but the insurance risks and the need for better reporting of the risks is not going to go away so um, you know it, it's a sort of mixed picture here so we've we've got um, it's no good saying it's heading in one direction or it's heading in another direction it, it, it's a very complicated um, issue which is probably going to get more complicated as the years go by and we start facing a whole series of different uh, political and indeed climate now it's pressures. time for our five star and no star awards uh, uh, this week the five star award is going to what's happening over in Egypt I believe yeah, well, uh, um, again, we touched on this last week, and we're about to, to you, you're working on a story mm -hmm. for next week, Chris, looking at Egypt, because um, it, it's quite a remarkable situation. Here we have this, you know, the one of the biggest um, conflicts the Middle East has seen for some time, and yet it doesn't seem to be upsetting either guest appetite for coming to the region or investor appetite um, and this five star is for Abu Dhabi investors um, who are coming in and buying a stake in um, Icon the hospitality um, um, wing of uh, e Egyptian holding group so I mean it, it's it's quite remarkable that we're seeing this because normally what would happen everybody just battens down the hatches and you know um, there's a, a an impact of a a year two years in terms of both investors and guests staying away but we're not seeing this 
this time and it goes back to you know what we're talking about how hospitality does seem a much more resilient asset class and this is a you know a, a key reason for it that uh, um, people um, travelers seem much more resilient as for a once famous iconic brand yeah um thomas cook which is again um in the news or is about to be sold on so it was sold after its uh collapse um financial collapse to uh Fosun, the owner the chinese company that owns club med amongst many other things and owns club med in its happiness division <laughs> and um thomas cook was turned into a uh, um OTA effectively online travel agent and it's now about to be according to uh, I think it was Sky mm -hmm. News that broke the story um, they were talking about um, how uh, a, a Polish based uh, uh, OTA eSky which is backed by a private equity firm um, uh, um, um, are looking to acquire it now it's not a done deal MCI Capital is the private equity firm um, it's not a done deal but uh, I think it reflects a somewhat turbulent uh, nature of uh, Thomas Cook's existence and right with now. that sad news we'll say goodbye for now